Sound like the usual mindless, boring, getting to know you chit chat. Welcome into the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable. I am your host, Fred Davis. Episode number 109, 109 for those of you scoring at home of the program. It's a follower Friday kind of vibe, and it's a twofer. It's a twofer Friday. I don't know if that's a thing, but guess what? It is today as we have two folks, two legends in their space as we continue with the conference series. And I promise you folks, we're wrapping up the Energy Marketing Conference and the Grid Next 2022, both of which went down in Houston. And again, it's just we've had so much content for you folks that uh, I'll tell you what, and look, when we've got good content, we have legends in their space, we have to hear from them. Hallabaloo is president of the Electric Power Engineers Company and a longtime advocate of all things renewable energy back before it was the cool thing to do. She's also the founder of the Grid Next conference series. Miss Hallabaloo is with us today, as well as Daryl Brown, another legend in the retail energy space. He's with us today as well, executive chairman of Atlantic Energy. So great stuff from both of them. You will learn something today from both of them, as again, they are innovators in their respective spaces. But before we get to both Miss Hallabaloo and Mr. Daryl Brown, let's hear from our CEO and co-founder, Mr. Mike Niemer, telling you what it is we do here at eRenewable. At eRenewable, we know going green is important to your business and your ESG rating. Besides offering PPAs and VPPAs, through our network of clean energy professionals, we can also offer renewable natural gas, or let us help you lower your carbon footprint with responsibly sourced gas from a leading global energy provider. Maybe you need green energy credits. Whether it's unbundled RECs or RSG certificates, your path to net zero and decarbonization is one step closer with the renewable. For more assistance, please call us at 1-866-ERENEW1. Thank you so much for that, Mr. Mike Niemer. You can find out more about the company over at eRenewable.com. And then, of course, if you want to be a part of the Follower Friday series, give us a follow at LinkedIn on our eRenewable and Green Insider page. And, of course, you too can be highlighted and talk about what you and your company are doing in the energy transition. All right, let's get right down to it. Miss Hallabaloo's, Mr. Daryl Brown, both legends in their respective spaces, clean energy as well as the retail electric space, talking about how they got their start, how they've pushed through this energy transition, and what they see as the future in their respective industries. Without further ado, here is Miss Hallabaloo's. We are so ready to go back in person. We are very much zoomed out of our wits and the personal touch and seeing people remembering who they are, the body language, the feeling of we're building it together with our own hands, with mm -hmm. our physical presence is very important. When you talk about Gridnax, we know it's a nonprofit group. We know you guys brought to what Tria and Clean Text together. Did that message? And I know you guys did it kind of like right before COVID. How did you guys kind of maneuver that merger through the COVID when you guys didn't have a chance to really get out the way I know you would have would have liked? To represent clean tech and talk about what all you guys are trying to do. That's true. So yes, it's definitely difficult during COVID to do that, but it's a missed opportunity, but it's not too late. So we're going back in person right now with the chapters that we're creating in every city. It is uh, more, more of us together and with the Grid Next uh, initiative, which I founded, 
by the way, uh, coming together with the cleantech's derivative of working with startups, with universities and all of that. So we've got more horsepower. And I think the chapters are going to help a lot in spreading the message. You have a good point. We are going to be working on the messaging more now that we are in person. Texas, outside of California and Hawaii, Texas is as good a place to be at when it comes to mm-hmm. renewable energy. What's the mission right now for clean techs to capitalize on all the work that's being done in the renewable space here in the state of Texas? Is to ensure that we don't, we are not stale in taking it for granted that we're the energy capital that as I will speak today, you will see there is a lot that's gonna happen. It's gonna change the landscape and our mission at clean techs and Grid Next is to make sure that we all collaborate to, to, to adopt the technologies and redesign the system in a way that allows us to continue and remain the energy capital of the world. Because we're getting pretty saturated with technologies globally, not just in Texas. And we need to lead like we've always done. We've, we've built CREZ, we, we were the first to bring in all that wind and solar power from West Texas and the Panhandle. We need to do something about technologies and we're gonna do it and we're gonna help. How does your experience in the energy space, how does that complement what you're doing over here at Gridnex? Absolutely. So I, um, somebody called me yesterday, um, vintage rather. (laughs) 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 I thought that was really nice. It's not old, it's vintage. I've been, I've been here since 2000 working on the wind integration, the solar integration. I am an electric power engineer. I have a company that studies the grid and how you integrate electrons reliably and economically and deliver them to the end consumer. So I live and breathe this. And Gridnex is really a testament of why I live and breathe that is when it was created by myself and founded, it was all right, we have a lot of renewables, how do we integrate them more? And even better, we said, let's work on modernizing the grid that allows us to do that. So my role is witnessing and having witnessed integration of renewables and technologies and guiding that through study in my company and my software company, Electric Power Engineers and NRI, which is Energy Integrated Intelligence, and bringing it together so that we continue to remain to be reliable and economic. And this is the critical and most difficult part of doing all of this. This has got to feel good because you've been one of those folks that's been on the forefront of renewables mm-hmm. before it was the thing to do. That's, right? I mean, that's look, correct. I mean, look, everybody's trying to get into the game now. Right, but for the Halabaloos of the world, you guys had the foresight to know early on when people probably called you crazy and it's said, so what true. are you doing? It's so true. So, for example, when I studied the integration of three gigawatts, 3,000 megawatts into the grid before there was any renewables, just to prove to the legislator and the, the commission that this is doable. Three was crazy. You know, you, you read the numbers. We have 25 of wind and six of solar. I, I lose track right now in gigawatts. That was called crazy, but I saw it clear that it was very easy. And um, when storage was starting to happen, I saw that this is going to be a game changer, actually showing a slide today in my presentation. And I've had the same slide for 10 years and it still has batteries game changer. So now people get it. But I'm like, okay, I've been talking about it for a long time. Listen to me. So let me ask you this then. So when people said, Halo, what are you talking about? How did you keep, how did you stay with the message? How did you not get discouraged? 
What a good question. That's something I want to talk about today. I didn't get discouraged. I did not push too hard, but this time around, You're I have Lebanese, a, so that doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt exactly. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's like hit me. I can, I can get get on the other side. It was not easy, and at some point, I had to look myself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. I swear, I said, "Look, never give up." I promised myself never to give up, no matter if the world thinks I'm crazy, thinks it's too futuristic. So when I sat and said, you know, we should have two megawatts battery at every substation in, in ERCOT because that will be resilient, and everybody looked at me and I saw that look. It's yeah. like, where is she? We need something real, right? I said, I'm not giving up. And this time around, I'm not giving up. So my new, my new thing is we need to build a grid of microgrids so that we can continue to be resilient. How do you deem this a success today and what's kind of the next step for Hala Blues? What's the next step for Grid Next and Clean Tech? Yes, this is, you know, we're only halfway through the day, but it's very successful. As you see, people are engaged, they're Absolutely. asking questions, they're excited to be here. It's the right crowd and the right mix of all the different components, you know, the developers, the lawyers, the land people you see the energy coming back. Yeah. So what's next for me and for Grid Next is to get back into, I mean, it's been two years, right? Yeah. Get back into remembering that we can do it and come together more and uh, scale it up. We really need to scale it up. Here is Daryl Brown, Executive Chairman of the Board, Atlantic Energy. All right, so I was told, like I said, to come find Daryl Brown. Can't leave without talking to you. A legend in the retail energy space, you know, from what you did at Hudson, and of course now you're chairman of the board of Atlantic Energy, if I'm not mistaken. And yes. so, but look, renewables weren't even a thing, I'm guessing, when you probably started out in the city. That's you're, true, you yes, know? yeah. And by the way, in the commercial customer space, never did any customer want anything except for price. Okay. And now they want to know where their renewables are coming from. It's right. a whole different world. What has, been the kind of the, the, the core of your longevity in this business? Because obviously you're no slouch in this industry. What's kept you on top of your game? So uh, uh, I, uh, luck. <laughs> a lot of luck. I, I think of recent, one of the things that, that I've been in the industry so long and I kind of have categorized the phases that the industry's gone through. Okay. And I have a whole presentation about this and PowerPoint slides. but. But, you know, after uh, I was in the industry uh, when it was not competitive, when it was uh, regulated utilities for 20-something years. And then the first phase was what I call the Wild Wild West and land grab. I mean, it was just everything goes. Nobody, some people didn't hedge. I mean, it was a wild time. And then it got normalized in phase two, and then it's kind of gotten to, at phase three, it was kind of a commoditization, its lowest price. Okay. And now I think the industry is doing something very different and it's more of, of specialties with what else do you sell? What do you bundle with your product? How do you go about uh, differentiating yourself in your brand from the other, other companies? For example, at Atlantic, we don't sell just electricity or gas. We sell a bundle okay. with home automation. So. We give the customer LED light bulbs. We give the customer software that they do on their phone. We give the customer security systems and, and security cameras and thermostats and software to control all of that. And, and so all of that comes to them over time while they're a customer of ours. 
And so we just don't talk about selling only electricity or only gas. It's that bundle product so that you can manage your, your home with it. I understand that back in the day, you were one of the original kind of innovators when it came to putting things online, right? In yes. Space. And yes. Obviously, you know, nowadays you can't not be online, but what was it about the online aspect that intrigued you so much? Well, the, the part that I think you're thinking about was... Or your platform? Was the platform at okay. Hudson, which differentiated us. And, and our main customers then were not the customers that had the meters. It was the brokers that actually sold the customers. Okay. And the typical way a broker got a price was by telephone or by chat with the company. And it was very difficult when the market changed and the market went up or down. How do you revise those prices? And it would take hours to go through. So we automated all of that. Okay. And so... The brokers could already had their customers set up and they could go in and refresh their pricing, which would be transactable pricing at that moment in time. Okay. And then if the price went up, then we would change the forward curve in our software and generate brand new prices for the hundreds of thousands of customers we were trying to sell to. So through the brokers. And so it made it really easy for the broker to stay off of chat, stay off the telephone, and just pull up the website, the portal, yeah. and and pull up their customer and hit accept, and then download the PDF of which they would send to their, their customer and they would electronically sign it and get it back to us. So we could finish, instead of taking them a couple of hours to close a, a customer, they could do so in, in 45 seconds with us. How did you kind of walk this thing through? What Just kind of, again, walk me through how you came about doing this. I mean, obviously, uh, you saw a need in the market. Well, no, you're giving, you're giving me too much credit. I, it, if you see my speech on these phases, okay. one of the, the, the difficult things to have and to find early on in the retail energy industry was people who had some type of dadgum experience okay. and had put it, you know, I jokingly said there were companies that, it wasn't a joke, they, had, they, they didn't hedge and they did weird stuff. Those companies found their problems and fixed them, and their people were really valuable to me because then they had some experience. Yes, it was experience failing, but they failed and they fixed it, and they failed and they fixed it. And so I put around me a team that really, really had a lot of experience. Some of them were TXU people, some of them were Reliant people, some of them were total uh, Texas commercial energy people who had done what I was referring to there every walk of life that had worked in this space and had the best experience and they were the ones that came up with that idea of the portal. Deb Merrill said something interesting this morning when she talked about how you know retail energy and utilities and what have you this is an this energy transition is as good a time as any for them to make things relevant and kind of take the lead so to speak. Well the broader subject there to me is a really important one and that is that if you look at the facts, it is really clear that customers by large groups that are on competitive retail energy markets are better off, not only from the plethora of choices that they have, but also the rates that they end up paying. And like in this speech, I have a graph of the state's average rates that are competitive and the average rates that are not competitive and what they change over time. It's not as dramatic in the CNI space, it's still an improvement, but it's not as great an improvement in the residential space. 
it's more prolific in the in the commercial space but still even in the residential space those competitive states have a lot lower rates than those that are not and they have gone down since deregulation not gone up and and so our story is great but our competitors in this story are the extremely powerful utilities when i worked for txu we hired every politician's son we hired every bureaucrat's wife we did whatever it took to be a political powerhouse so those are that's the power that we're fighting against so it's hard it's hard to to convince people and show people the truth when you've got other people who are benefit from uh, the regulated monopoly utility continuing to have their day and so the, I think Deb's point was a good one in that we have to we have to capitalize on any way that we that we can do it. Well, Tesla capitalized on electric vehicle yeah. that are really really fast and 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 powerful, and so they found a, a niche with people that really want want really fast cars. Well, but in the long run, electric vehicles are probably going to be better, uh, less maintenance and all that stuff. So we need to capitalize on anything. Energy transition is one of them, but also choice and and rates is one other we need to convince people about. I get you out of here with this two-part question. One, you got a CEO roundtable coming up. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, like I said, you're chairman of the board for for Atlantic Energy. What's kind of the message that you're going to instill that you're going to kind of impart to folks and that you continue to impart in this industry? At at the CEO roundtable, uh, the the purpose, you know, when I. When I am at these meetings or talk to people in the industry and I say, you know, what do you want to hear from the CEOs? Yeah. Well, most of my friends say, Daryl, go get another drink. But, uh, but, but the ones that really take it seriously, they want to, what is the future going to be like? What's yeah. going to be next year and the year after that like? What's going to be the really cool big thing? And, and I'm sorry, but if you're a head of sales or head of operations, even if you're in the C-suite, you don't see that broad aspect of the industry as well as these people do and so sitting in that chair you're kind of reborn uh, it's, it's a different world and you have to look at strategically how do you position your company to be successful in the industry and in the society that you're dealing with so so we're going to focus uh, on kind of what the future is going to be like from their perspective from a customer's perspective what are they going to change and, and, and where, what kind of transitions are they going to be going through that we need to match and that we need to be able to serve their, their varying needs. So, so the CEO panel, I hope that we will give somebody some idea of what we think that the future will be like that's different from the present. It's been a rough couple of years. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, it's good to be back in person. I mean, this is my first time being in an energy ah. marketing conference. How important is it? to be able to not just learn and, and, and hobnob with, with colleagues and competitors, uh, but just to be back out in person and, you know, whether deals get well, done, talking about deals. Well, this is, this is, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm unique because I've been in this industry for so long and all these people are like my family. I mean, right. even the guys I hug and, and I, I, these are people that I really love. Now, yeah, I love my kids and, but but I've known these people more longer than I've known. Well, probably not. But, 
uh, probably deeper than I know my kids. And, and so to me, these deals are really family week, but it's but the industry needs to not, you know, needs to avoid any kind of antitrust kind of activities. But we need to be coordinating our communication to the world, the politics, the, the industry, the customers about why retail choice is so much more efficient and effective. Some of my TXU friends I talk to who are still there in the company, I said, you know, it's a whole lot more efficient, and their response is, yep, it's brutally efficient. And so we can do we can do more than they can with a third of the number of employees because of the way we automate, the way we manage the processes to be more efficient. And we have to do that in order to give the customer more choices and lower rates. And, and we can do that more efficiently than they can. And yet brutally efficient because now they have to reduce the number of employees they, they have to be able to compete with people like me. Small companies, my experience is in this industry, can run circles around big companies. Thank you so much for that, Mr. Joel Brown. You can catch all other Green Insider episodes over at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and over on our website, eRenewable.com. You can catch all of the U of H series as well. We've had a tremendous feedback from the two episodes this week, Mr. Kevin Donovan and Mr. Sobu Rahimi. We've got four more episodes, and then, of course, we've got a live event that's going to go down on the U of H campus. We'll keep you posted on when that is going to happen and where it is you can attend. Also next week, we'll have part two of our Eight Rivers interview when we welcome to the program Chief Development Officer and President of Eight Rivers, Mr. Damian Beauchamp, an expert in all things carbon capture, plus many other things. It's a great conversation. You do not want to miss that. And then, of course, it'll be a name a kind of vibe next week as we get ready for the big North American Energy Market Association conference, which is going to go down the week after. But we'll have a few folks from the NAMA group talking all things NAMA conference and, of course, what they're doing during this energy transition. Got to give a shout out, as always, to the entire E-Renewable team and mike roger al the audience the guests without you you know the drill we couldn't do what we do this has been the green insider podcast powered by e-renewable we make going green easier <music> <laughs>